When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 93, Ezar Haddon. We have arrived to yes. the great king, Esarhaddon, and yes. his rule of the Assyrian Empire. Mm-hmm. The stage has been set. The stage has been set. Hey, did you know that the Assyrian line of kings were go back like over a thousand years from the same bloodline? That's what the Esarhaddon would like you to think, but he is obviously lying. Well, no. Well, here's the thing. I don't know. Now, according to my imaginary, my friend who doesn't know she's my friend, Karen Radner, the, because the king, the king, okay, to be a king, you just had to be a son of the previous king. It didn't matter who your mother was. And these guys had a lot of kids. So yep. as long as, so these, when you had these revolutions, according to her, these, bro- these people that were killing each other and taking over were actually brothers. But it wasn't like, you know, if you had a brother you were close with and you were raised together. You had, like, you know, you might have had 20 brothers. I've been thinking about that, and I've been talking about that in earlier episode. but I think the line was broken. But that's merely my personal opinion. Twice, it was broken by Tiglath Peleser III, mm-hmm. who could possibly have been a, a reject son of the king. Mm-hmm. And it was broken by Sargon, who could also possibly have been that, but mm-hmm. I don't think they are. And uh, mostly because they speak so little about their fathers. Mm-hmm. And you've seen the other kings and how they brag about their dads. But these two kings do not do that. No, it's true. Well, I mean, they did overthrow their dad, so that could be part of it. But, so, but hey, I'm not going to argue with you. I know you're a black belt, so... <laughs> No, it, it is possible, and it, it's definitely what Esarhaddon would have told you. Right. 
I mean, we'll get into that as our hat. And he, this poor character, he had a lot of angst, let's say. <laughs> yes. He's, uh, he has a lot of uh, things on his table. Mm-hmm. And he was worried about a lot of things. So, um, so I, I put this together in chronological order, going backward, you know, well, going from 679 down, uh, what was going on in Assyria, and with, and being that Ezar Haddon was pretty much the king, well, he was for the, through the whole 70s, everything is Assyria slash Ezar Haddon, what's going on there. And the way I did it, like I say, was a book we could count down from 679 down to 670. That sound good? I love it. Cool. And then I used a Babylonian chronicle, which are just like one little liners, you know, that's with a line and they'll have something. And then you could, the scholars, et cetera, have dug into this. There is a, they found a lot of letters, a lot of letters and uh, information, you know, on cuneiform and clay tablets to put this stuff together. So, yeah, there, there is a lot of writing from this period. And remember that the Assyrians have a postal system. They do. Yeah. You want to talk about that? I think no one else has. No, they're probably the inventors of the postal system. Yeah, and it's it's credited to Tiglath-Pileser III, but I did that in my fanboy episode. (laughs) In my fanboy episode. All right. Well, yeah, they do have a postal system. And um, so there is a lot of uh, information. So, yeah, so um, 679 is Ezra had in second year. And the thing is with the Babylonian Chronicle, too, it doesn't go by art. They don't use the Gregorian calendar. It's not like, you know, go from January to December. So so where it says the second year of Ezra had, and that's, that could be 679, 678. But that's, you know, you get the idea. Yeah. Um, we have the, 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 the inscription in there is the major domo conscripted troops in Akkad, which is Babylonia. So they mention that because... They really weren't supposed to be conscripting troops in Babylonia. It was sort of, you know, they sort of had that agreement. <laughs> Poor Babylon. Yeah, I know. They always get it. Uh, it says, in that same year, Arza was captured and sacked. The people were ransomed. The king and his son were taken prisoner. Um, Arza is right about at the border of Egypt and the Levant there, sort of like modern day Israel. Oh, close to Egypt. That could mm-hmm. get complicated. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, right there's the beginning here of the 70s. The Ezra Haddon is really busy all over the empire. Yeah. But he's there. So then, then the next line was, there was a slaughter in Busua, and there was a slaughter of the Sumerians in Subhunu. Do we know where these places are? I can't. I'm telling you. I, so, so, I'm not sure where Boos is, but the slaughter was in Anatolia. So, like I say, he was dealing with fires all over the empire. And like we said, Gyges and, and King Midas, like we talked about before, there was a lot of business going on up there. Yeah. And Ezra Hayden went in. And maybe he, actually, now that I think about it, probably they, they took the brunt of it. Then he came and swooped in and finished them off. Yeah, good work. Uh I wonder who got slaughtered in Busuadam. There is a slaughter of the Sumerians, not Conan the Barbarian, I hope. But, but uh, there was a slaughter of the Sumerians in Busuadam as well, then. Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure where it was, but they slaughtered the Sumerians. 
Yeah, it, also the poor Cimmerians, they've been driven from the, the grasslands by the Scythians, and now they are in this hos- these hostile mountains filled with organized kingdoms. Mm-hmm. It's a story of history, isn't it? Yeah. Ancient history, anyway. I, I heard one, uh, heard one uh, historian professor described the Scythians as like, if you want to understand the Scythians, think of like the orcs from the Lord of the Rings. They like eat raw meat and <laughs> take drugs. That's rough. Yeah, they're pretty rough people. They're like Mongols, I guess you could say. That might help. Proto-Huns or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, I mean, that's pretty much what I got on 679. Let's move I mean, to 678. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Third year, which is 678. I can't even. Ahisolam, governor of Nippur, and Samas Ibni, the Dakurian, were transported to Assyria and executed in Assyria. Oh, they did bad things. They must have done something. Now, the governors of the Assyrian provinces were mostly eunuchs. Yeah. And so that's why they didn't usually have a lot of trouble with them. No. Well, see, because, you know, you think about, like, other kingdoms and Rome and things, and, you know, you become the governor, and then, well, maybe I'll take over. Maybe I'll get my own army. Maybe I'll give pass this along to my son. But, you know, um, eunuchs didn't have sons. So they were pretty reliable, and they were sort of like the brothers of the king. So you don't hear a lot of the eunuchs being executed, you know, for stuff like that. So it must have been something. Must have been some, something bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we learned that they are executed. They are not just like foreign kings transported to Assyria and then they disappear. But these right. guys are actually killed. Mm-hmm. And they let you know about it. But they don't always say what they did. Sometimes you find what they did. And sometimes you just find that. Yeah. There's two lists actually going on at the same time. The Babylonian Chronicle is more, has, doesn't have a lot of detail, but has more. And then the Assyrians have a list. They have their... They basically just have a list, though. Uh, well, it says this year, this guy was this, and maybe this happened. But, so, but sometimes you'll find something in the Babylonian Chronicle that's not in the Assyrian, and it's usually something didn't go well for the Assyrians, and then it'll be in the Babylonian Chronicle. Oh. So this was in there, so maybe that's why we don't know much about it, because whatever happened, maybe they didn't want you to know about it. And the Babylonians <laughs> wanted to squeal about it, but that was it. Yeah. So um, things are heating up again still, though, in the next. So what's happening in 677, we have, um, this is the fourth year of Ezra Haddon's reign. Uh, Sidon was captured and sacked. And also major Domo constricted troops, troops in the cot again. So you get the sense that there's something going on. They need troops. I'm sure they always need troops, but if they're not supposed to be getting troops out of Babylon, Babylonia, um, then something's going on and... As our had and is like I said, he's dealing with fires, but he's also clearing the way over there in the Levant. For something. Maybe uh, he is trying to Assyriaize Babylonia, that he's trying to bring these Babylonians into the Assyrian military structure, giving them practically citizenship and making them more Assyrian. Could be. Uh, Sidon is the city, is one of the Phoenician cities uh, that are vassals. And uh, that Sidon was captured here meant that they rebelled. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember that Byblos was involved here on the Assyrian side. 
So Byblos greatly profited from this sack. That's right. You're right. I remember that as well. You're right. They probably also told the Assyrians about what happened. And you know, Manasseh was like, I'm not getting involved in this. <laughs> no, I'm staying <laughs> way out of this. <laughs> so yeah, I have just a vassal over here. It's, yeah, it's going great. Look you at all the pagan stuff I'm doing. Yeah, look at me. I'm, I have Asherah in the temple. This, you guys do whatever you're doing over there. Yes. Yeah, because um, yeah, he definitely didn't want to get involved in that. There was a well. I think we'll get into why why this was happening. I was wonder though. You know, like I mean, I could see a map of the Assyrian Empire. I see how big they are. And if I was a little side on, I'd be like, I'm not, you know, you know, go against that guy. But it seems you know, crazy. Seems crazy to me. And then this is what happens. The the most reasonable Phoenician decision so far has been the guys who fled to Carthage. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stay away from the Assyrians. Go over the sea. The Assyrians don't like the sea. Absolutely. I know. Honestly, gosh. Well, he also, Ezra had an awesome, this isn't in the Chronicle, but we know it, that he let, leads the Assyrian army in 677 against some rebellious Arab tribes. And... Uh, now it says is he advances as far as the brook of Egypt, which is basically the Nile. Oh. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Um, so the Arab tribes, if you look on a map, you know, you'll see there's the, there's that, you know, Arabia there, which is just all desert. So he's doing something there. He's shoring up that area there, making sure he's got good passage around there. Um, there was a, I believe there was a king that had, it might have been a different year, but, um, I believe there was a king that came to Nineveh that was, you know, more friendly with them and then... Some of them rebelled against him, and that's the deal. If you're a, a client state or you're a client king of Assyria, if you get in trouble, the Assyrians have to come and help you out. Yep. Like a made man in the mafia. Exactly. That kind of a deal. So he, um, he led the army against these Arabs, and um, you know, he took care of business there. I mean, he's taking care of business, you got to say. 
I can see why the Arabs would uh, rebel. They are in a much safer position than Sidon. Right. So it's like, <laughs> let's plunder some Syrian trade caravans or something and then escape into the desert. So they, they should be safe. But this looks like uh, a fake thing that the Arabs are giving me problems. I have to move armies close to Egypt. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It should be noted that at this point, the only kingdoms of any note near Assyria is Elam and Egypt. They are the only big kingdoms close by. That's right. But Elam is protected by uh, mountains. uh, (laughs) And, uh, well, Egypt isn't very well protected at all. No, just, well, the Sinai Desert is the thing. And then if you you got your clear passage through the desert... You might be able to get there. And if the Arabs are on your side when Uh you pass through Sinai, then, hmm, interesting. Right, exactly. I mean, the Syrians must have been decent at getting around in the desert, too, just to be able to do that. I mean, if you go way forward in history, right, with the the coming of Islam, that was one of the things, the, the, you know, the the Muslims, I guess we say, right, they were able to come across the desert, do a bunch of damage, and if you came after them, quick run back to the desert and nobody followed them back. Yeah, and I, I think the Assyrians are not that used to deserts yet. They, they have uh, desert conditions in parts of Babylonia, but the, the environmental destruction of Mesopotamia is not complete, so it's mm-hmm. not the same area you see today. Deserts this are not as true. plentiful in the uh, 7th century BC. Yes, that is correct. Um, you mentioned Elam, and I, I know I don't, I, don't, I don't think I have the date when it was, but it was in the 670s, and Ezra had and made a peace treaty with, with Elam, which was a big deal at the time. So he, he took care of his uh, flank over there. And the Elam east. should be fairly worried now that Babylonia is under Assyrian control, and yeah, they, they have nothing else to worry about except maybe some Persians in the mountains. Right. Yeah, and they made a peace treaty, so now he was he was safe over there, so he could go running around and, you know, in the desert and towards Egypt, that kind of thing. And my impression of Elam is that it's a much more peaceful kingdom than Assyria. So mm. they, they like their peace treaties. Yeah. Unless somebody convinces them to betray Assyria. Like Mirdok Baladan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. Now he isn't, but... <laughs> I wish he were. Uh, he was something. He was a good character, wasn't he? He was amazing. <laughs> we could have so many movies about these things, honest to God. Yeah. Um, so you want to go to the next year, 676? Yep. Okay, so the fifth year, on the second day of the month, Tasritu, which is September, October. And oh. that's the time to harvest sesame. They have a whole calendar with these, you know, where you harvest or plant based on the names of the months. So in the second day of the month, Tasritu, the army of Assyria captured Baza. This is kind of funny, because I was like, all right, did my search, what's Baza? When you go on the internet, you don't know what you might find. So when I searched Baza, I basically found that, ba- <laughs> well, this isn't what it is, but they had that um, Baza is the slang for the name Barry. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's also something um, Australian, too, where you could say that that Baza was all drinking beer all day, that kind of thing. Okay. 
All right, anyway, um, it's generally assumed, but it's not certain that Baza was in the east or the northeast of the Ara- Arabian Peninsula. He, as our Hayden Haddon, describes Baza as a salty area and a place of thirst. So on this campaign, he claims to have killed eight kings and carried off their booty and people. Then he installed a guy named Lael, the king of Yadi, as king of Baza after Yadi had come to Nineveh for help. Like I said, yeah, that was the one. So oh, Yadi move. had asked Nineveh for some, asked Ezra Haddon for help. Ezra Haddon went down there and kicked some butt. So Lyle is doing great. Yeah. He's now the king of both Yadi and Basa. Yeah. Uh, we're not sure where, but uh, he's doing great. He's doing good. He's down there in that area we know. It's, you know. And uh, so, okay, the, the, from the Babylonian Chronicle, the month, in the month, t- the same month, the head of the king of Sidon was cut off and conveyed to Assyria. So, oh, what happened? Well, that's the thing. So we knew that they sacked the city, right, last year? Yeah. And, but the king got away. He fled by boat. And that was, you know, like we said, the Syrians weren't big on the water. But as our Haddon says, I caught him on the water like a fish and brought him back. And like I said, that was a big deal because people thought they were safe. I, I think it was Biblos that did this. Oh, you think they got him for him? Well, however, what? Yeah. it was still as a mafia, right? So you kind of, if you think of Ezra Haddon as a mafia head, he, hey, yes. go get him. I think it's Biblos that wants to be the official fleet of Assyria. Yeah. Well, that's how you do it, divide and conquer, right? Yes. That's the classic way. And his family and people were transported to Assyria. And a new city called Kar Ezarhaddon was built and settled with these people. So he replaced Sidon with his own city, named after himself, mm-hmm. and then filled it up with uh, some random people from the east, maybe mm-hmm. Medes and Manians, mm-hmm. or whatever he could find that day. Yeah. They, uh, they moved people around a lot. I don't know. You, you may have talked a lot about that in other episodes, right? But the Assyrians definitely moved people around a lot. Yeah, it's a, sort of a very aggressive migration policy that uh, they, they don't reject people from Assyria. They just make them Assyrians and move them to the other side mm-hmm. of the empire where people think that they are Assyrians. So now they have to be Assyrians. That's right. I mean, I was just, uh, I learned that the population of the Middle East, this area about that time, was about 1% of what it is today. So. Wow. This was, you know, there's a lot of room for people. And people, we, you know, we don't have computers and machines and trucks, so you need people. People are your most valuable labor. Yeah. So, you know, you need people. They're a pretty valuable commodity. So as a member, as a person in the Syrian Empire, if they told you to, you had to go, you had to go. And that's where you went. But they took the, took the uh, 85% of the people were actually moved into the Syrian heartland. And so they would take, like, the best people. Oh. You know, they would take the, they would take the, you know, the artists and the entertainers and the educators and the scholars. They took all the best people and they brought them to the Syrian heartland, which is probably a good reason why Syria stayed strong for so long. Yeah. After a generation or so, you felt like you're in Assyria and you have to act like an Assyrian. And, and yeah, that's what it. happened to the um, many of the lost tribes as well. That is right. You see Jewish names in the Assyrian chronicles. And you taught me that. I didn't know that. I listened to it on your podcast. Okay. What does okay, well, anyway, Esther yeah. do next? Wait, can I just make one point? They said that through the whole Syrian empire with moving around, 
that they moved pr- possibly, this is the high number, f- over 4 million people. Amazing. Right? And that if you take that's 1%, is, so that would be like today moving 400 million people around. That sounds crazy. Right? That's amazing. All right. So, yeah. So his head was cut off. He was, ta- it was taken to Assyria. I wonder how long it took to get a head to Assyria and what it looked like by the time it got there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Right? It could be for your murder podcast. Yeah. Moving heads to Assyria. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a name of a band. <laughs> I'm sorry. That struck me funny. All right. <laughs> Who would have thought of that name, though? <laughs> Moving heads to Assyria. Somebody's going to do that. Like, way after we're long dead, there's going to be like this rock band, Moving Heads to Assyria. We'll be credited it. with it. So, 675. Uh, that's the sixth year. Um, the army of Assyria marched to. Miladu and encamped against Mugalu. Where, where's that? I, let me see where that is. I think that was another place I couldn't find. Do you know where that is? I would suspect it to be on the east frontier in the Sagros Mountains. It sounds like one of those places. Where they do have problems with the Medes, as usual. Also, the Manians are being a bit uppity during this period. Oh, that's probably that. Yeah, they're expanding from their heartland around Lake Ermia and uh, causing a lot of noise. Yes, and they were interrupting the horse trade, right? Yes. And the horses are important in Assyria. You can imagine people are important, but horses. I mean, you can't just build tanks. You have to get horses. As I heard on has to strike against any disruption for of the horse trade because Absolutely. the army is all based on horses. That's right. And just like today, I mean, you have to have your access to your oil and your things. In those days, you had to have access to your horses. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Very much so. So then on the fifth day of the month of Eluhu, um, come on. Wh- which month to, is that? I'm going to tell you in a minute. It's uh, August and September. That's the time to sow chickpeas. Oh, good to know. Yeah. That's why you need a calendar. I mean, I'm, I'm a small gardener, but I mean, you need to know when to plant and when to harvest. So, Yeah. Anyway, um, the king of Elam, without becoming ill and still appearing healthy, died in his Paris. Pa- Paris. Palace. For six years, Humban Haladas ruled Elam. I love the Elamite king names. Humban Haltas. Oh, you do them good. Yes, but now he's dead <laughs> yeah. for no apparent reason, but I don't suspect foul play here. Mm-mm. There are a million ways to die in the ancient world. And, uh, yep, there are. Every, uh, uh, anything, a cold, infection, appendicitis, broken leg, name it. Persians. No, it was in, in his palace, so. <laughs> Urtok, his brother, ascended the throne in Elam. So his brother, interesting, but we, we are not sure about how the Elamites uh, handed inheritance. So maybe that was what was supposed to happen. Looks like another, uh, you know what's so funny, another uh, couple guys got executed here, didn't they? Yeah, there's uh, unrest in Assyria. What's happening? Yeah, where the, I mean, you know what, I'm going to have to follow up on this. Yeah, I apologize. It's the new Governor Nipper, right? It was the Governor Nipper who was executed. Last yeah, time. the next one, right, just looked at it. And then another Decurion was executed. Maybe Nipper and the Courier is uh, terrible to I'm going to call Karen. I'm going to put her on. We're going to do a whole podcast on this episode. 
Wow. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm not um, sure huh. what that all is about. But something was amiss in the kingdom of Nipper and Dakurian. And we know that people, uh, there were some people who did not support uh, Esarhaddon as the crown prince. No. So maybe it's about that. Well, it's very possible. We'll but it's a, it's a long that. time after his ascension. He probably was. I mean, you really, these, you know, you look back, you, the, there was always a lot of intrigue with these brothers and trying to take over a lot of. And th- this this guy who was executed in Nippur, Suma Idina, he was uh, probably put into place when Esarhaddon executed the last governor. You so, would think so. Yeah, so something is corrupting the governors of Nippur. Something for sure. Maybe nymphs. The nymphs of Nippur. That's <laughs> a bad name. I'm going to write that one down. The nymphs of Nippur. <laughs> Oh, I'm not even kidding. Okay. And My daughter is one, is one a, of the uh, ancient musician. Sumerian cities in Mesopotamia. It was? Oh, yeah, Nippur was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's located uh, quite north in Babylonia. Yeah. So it might that. also be unrest from uh, from Babylonia. Yeah, I mean, it seems like people... Um, Babylonia probably was the like more, what would you say culturally advanced area of the empire you know yes. sort of maybe they, they kind of look down on the Assyrians so maybe when you went to Babylonia it was like you know kind of like moving to the city from the country yes and you sort of you know then you sort of got taken in by that lifestyle and that kind but of thing Esarhaddon did a lot of good things for Babylonia compared to his dad compared <laughs> yeah. so maybe Indeed. maybe they are still somewhat happy with him yeah Except for Suma Edina, something he wasn't happy about, or he's not happy anymore anyway. No, and now he's dead. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. As is Kuduru the Dakarian. Yeah, Kuduru the Dakarian. That definitely sounds like a like a um, you know, like a Conan the Barbarian name, right? Yeah, Kuduru the Dakarian. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a WWE wrestling guy. <laughs> uh, not one that would win. <laughs> No, right, because he would get executed by Ezra Haddon, who was definitely not a, uh, you know, I don't think a physical specimen. Who knows? But I doubt it. I don't think so either. No, we'll definitely get into that, I'm sure. We have come to 674 BC. The seventh year of Ezra Haddon. On the eighth day of the month, Aduru, the army of Assyria, marched to Samili. Aduru is February, March, you harvest broad beans. Not really sure where Samili is. Thinking it's somewhere with the way it's spelled, and I'm thinking somewhere in the in Anatolia, that area. Yeah, we we know that every direction is an area of unrest for us. <laughs> he must march. He's probably not marching south a lot, but all the other directions are problems. Mm-hmm. And that same year, Istar, the god of Agade, and the gods of Agade, left Elam. And entered Agade on the tenth day of the month, Aduru. That what that is is um, the Elamites had some statues. Some the god, so the god lived in the statue, right? Yes. So the Elamites had some statues from Babylonia, and since Ezra Haddon was rebuilding Babylonia, they returned them. 
So this oh. is about that you know they're making peace with Elam, and then Elam's like, "Hey, I'll give you some of your gods back. We're done with them. They're you know they've been eating too much food around here and stuff. We got to send them back anyway." That sounds like real peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the relationship between Esarhaddon and Elam seems pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal. This peace treaty was a big was a big deal. It was a big you know it's almost like making peace with the you know the Israeli Palestinian deal here. It was like this thing's going on a long time. And kind of maybe it was like the Egypt-Israeli peace treaty in the 70s. That happened in the 70s. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And given what will happen to Elam in 30 years, it's uh, it's nice to see them have peace with Assyria yeah. at this point. Yeah. So that's what. So they left Elam and they um, went back to Babylonia, which is um, oh, it's pretty interesting how the gods, right? They live in the statues. Yes. I sent you that book, you know. Did you get it? I sent it to you on Google Books. Oh. Thank you. That was a while ago. <laughs> Probably didn't notice it. <laughs> I have to look I'm it up. sorry, I diverged, but it was um, it's the it's the Anne Rice book, Servant of the Bones, and the story is that the actual spirit of the guy goes into the god Marduk, you know, and he has to do the parade with Marduk because they, you know, an old yeah. Canaanite witch kills him and puts him into the puts his bones into this. His spirit lives inside the, the statue. I remember now, uh, Google Books did not allow me to open it because I was in Sweden. Ah, but I paid for that, so. <laughs> That's terrible. I'm going to call Google after you get <laughs> But I don't have a phone. Yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> really easy to call Google. Please, Google, help me. <laughs> My friend Dan can't read his book on Anne Rice. Try telling Google Home that. <laughs> I have a Google Home. Do you have a Google Home? I do, yes. I love it. But it started shouting in the middle of the night, so I turned it off. Really? Yes. Possessed. Possessed by Google. I guess so. I don't okay, know. Or maybe the servant of the bones went into your Google Home, the book I sent you. That's what happened. <laughs> back to 674 BC. Bernie, stop it. All right. So, yeah, so we saw that, right? So, um, and also in 674, Ezra Haddon puts down a revolt in Ashkelon, which was supported by... Taharka, who's the king of Cush and Egypt. And in response, the Assyrians invade Egypt. But Taharka is able to hold them off. Wow, we are close to a big war here. Uh huh. Taharka is the Cushite king of Egypt, the son of Pai, right? Yes, and, he is. And uh, he has a pretty formidable force. And he's holding off the Assyrians here. Mm-hmm. But he has been putting his fingers in the Levant a lot, and this mm-hmm. uh, cannot be tolerated. I, th- I think we we'll probably have to end this this episode here. Talk about Taharka and stuff for the next episode. You think? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I think so. Sorry, we're going to leave you at a cliffhanger, but the next one's going to be great. Uh, we would like some uh, reviews on iTunes. If you're listening to this on an Apple device, please give us reviews. That will make the podcast more visible for other people. Uh, you can talk to us on uh, Facebook. There is a Fano History page. Uh, that's a good way to send us messages as well. We do have a Patreon. We lo- would love some contributions to be able to make this podcast more frequently. And uh, uh, you can reach me if you want on Twitter. I'm Dan Horning. And on Instagram where I'm Dan underscore Horning. Is there any way the listener can reach you, Bernie? 
So you could, I'm Bernie Mayopolsky. You could, I, I definitely check the Fan of History Facebook page. You could message me on there. I get the messages. Dan and I both do, but I, I get them. Um, and then I'm on Facebook, Bernie Mayopolsky. M-A-O-P-O-L-S-K-I. Great. Next time. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Fan of History. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.